We are in a series called Fruit of the Spirit. And I do sense a lot of transformation happening in people's hearts and and in households and here at Hosanna at our church. Lots of transformation taking place in the midst of this series. In Galatians 5, we read, when we're led by the Spirit, a, a fruit is produced in our lives. And this is the fruit of the Spirit that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that's produced when we are led by the Spirit in our lives. The Spirit produces that fruit. It's one fruit, singular, with nine parts. And we've been looking at these nine parts, and we will look at all nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit in this series. Last week, uh, Jen, Pastor Jen, I should say, uh, preached on joy, that part of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, uh, and this week, we're going to look at another part of the fruit of the spirit, but the spirit produces this fruit. So I, I think we should just feeling led to pray right now that the spirit would do what only he can do right now. Would you join me as we pray? Holy spirit, uh, we do pray that you would come now, pour out your power and your presence, do what only you can do, shower us, i like rain and sun to produce life, the fruit of the spirit being seated and, and raised up in us. That's part of the equation. The other part of the equation is that we we would have open hearts and sensitive souls to receive what you have for us. The phrase that that I'm getting is that you want to turn the tide, God. Maybe in our lives, maybe in our society, you want to turn the tide, and this message is part of it. So we pray, may it be so. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. What is our world coming to? I mean, seriously, what is our world coming to? Like, what's, what's going on? And I'm not talking about the deterioration of long-held you know, morals and values. We could have a good conversation about that. I'm, I'm not talking about our environment, God's creation, what's happening there. I'm not talking about a debt that recently went over $22 trillion in our country. We could talk about that. When I say, what is our world coming to? I'm talking about how people talk to each other. I'm, I'm thinking how people engage with each other. The, the discourse in our world. I mean, what happened to civility and decency, decorum, modesty? What happened to all that? Now we get why it's, why it's happened. I think you get, right, why it's happening in the media and social media. People are trying to get votes. They're trying to get more views. They're trying to get more followers. They're trying to get more funds. We get that, but it's everywhere. It's spread to everywhere, even in paradise. Right? This uh, last spring break, our family went to Mexico. And, uh, and I got up early because our room uh, didn't pay the extra upgrade fee, I guess. Um, but we couldn't see the sunset. So I got up early. And went down by the pool to see the, the, the sunrise, I should say, not the sunset in the morning. <laughs> What's going on in Mexico there? All right. <laughs> Ain't going down to the sun comes up or something. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, the sunrise. It was beautiful. It was glorious. But as I was enjoying this, two women, they just happened to be women, started arguing over some, some pool chairs that they wanted to save with their towels. There's a sign that says, don't save, you know, chairs with your towels. But they were arguing over it. It was getting nasty back and forth and calling each other names. And finally, I had to step in. I was like, Jen, <laughs> uh, there are other, ta- you know, other chairs 
I'm just kidding. She was still in bed. She was still in bed. But seriously, this happened. This is a true story. What is going on? How people treat each other. You know what I'm talking about? What's happening in our, in our world? It's like people are losing, losing their grip. They're losing it. Losing our grip. People, the world, humanity's losing its grip on the world. And today we're going to talk about the one way to get it back. The one way to get it back, to get our grip back, for people to get a grip. And, and for people to get a grip, to get a handle on the world the way that it was intended to be. And Jesus is going to point us to the key. It's part, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. How to get the world back, how to get a grip. And it's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says this. He says, blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth. Other translations say, blessed are the meek, blessed are humble. But, but it means, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Or to paraphrase it, those who are gentle, the world's theirs. It's theirs. It's like the world, those who find gentleness and live with gentleness, they, the world is their oyster. It's theirs. They've got a grip. They've got the world in their hands. Anything's possible for those who are gentle. The opposite is also true. We read this in scripture, that those who aren't gentle, the ungentle, those who are easily angered, those who are abrasive, those who are rough, they're like, in one part of scripture in Proverbs, it says they're, they're like a, a city without walls where people can just easily come in and take everything. The world is taken from them, their world. Those who are easily angered, those who are ungentle, they're described in the Bible as fools, weak people in society. So then gentleness is like really important. If that's how we get a grip, if that's how we know that the world is ours, then gentleness is really, really important. So what is gentleness? Let's start with what it's not. Let's be really clear about this. Gentleness is not weakness. And it's that other translation of, of Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek. I think where we start to, to buy into this myth or this myth, myth, misnomer that, that somehow gentleness is weakness. Meek and weak. They sound alike. Meek and no. Couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, people who, who live with gentleness part of the fruit of the spirit they are the strongest people the strongest people in the world are the gentle men and the gentle women let me introduce you to a couple uh, people a gentle man and a gentle woman you've probably seen pictures of mother Teresa and mr rogers he's gentle are these gentle people are they weak people and Mother, Mother Teresa was five feet and 70 pounds soaking wet. But when she walked into a room of world leaders, she was the most powerful person in the room. The most powerful person in the room because she was gentle, among others, but she was gentle. Mr. Rogers influenced an entire generation of people, my generation. Mr. Rogers, they just made a documentary, but if you haven't seen it, it's a great documentary. I want to start singing, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Changed into a sweater or something, it's a little too hot. 
gentle, but so powerful. Influenced an entire generation of people. It's not weakness. Somewhere along the way, we've started to believe that it's the loudest people, the most abrasive people, the the belligerent people, the bullies that are the most powerful, but that's not what God's word tells us. In the Bible, one word that's translated gentle, in fact, the one that I read in Matthew 5, can also be used to describe a wild horse, a wild stallion that's been tamed. I think about a wild stallion, and then when a wild stallion gets tamed, what's the difference between a wild stallion who's still wild and a wild stallion that's been tamed? Are they both equally powerful? Yes, right, in some ways. But it's the one who's under control that's got more, more power because it's power that's under control. Scripture teaches us, we find in Scripture, that we are to not be like the wild horse that's not under control. In Psalm 32, 9, it says, do not be like a senseless horse or mule. I won't read the old King James version of mule. That needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Do not be like that untamed wild horse. Be like the tamed wild stallion. Now, here's where I think we get a definition of gentleness. This is why I think I was hearing that phrase This could turn the tide, maybe in your life, maybe in our world. And that is gentleness is strength under control, power under control. Gentleness is power under control. All that power that comes from being a wild stallion, but but gentleness and real power, real powerful people are people who can keep it under control. Gentleness is power or horsepower under control. And the most powerful people, at least according to God's word, which is what we tend to go by around here, are the people who are gentle. And and gentleness is power under control. Another word that's translated gentle in the New Testament uh, can be um, interpreted someone who is fit for use, someone who's useful, in other words. So now we put a couple definitions of gentleness in the Bible together, fit for use and powerful. And what I wanna do for the next part of this message is is talk to four groups of people, and I believe that you'll fit into at least one of these, probably more. I wanna talk to four groups of people about how gentleness can make you more fit for use, can make you more powerful, a more powerful person. Not like the fool or the you know, city without walls, but a more powerful person, a gentle person is power, someone who knows that power is, is something that they need to control, power under control. I wanna talk to men, women, got a lot of people. I think that's everybody, right? Leaders and a specific type of leader, parents about how growing in gentleness can make us more fit for use and make us more powerful people, all right? Starting with men. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 11, Paul is writing to his protege, his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's saying, this is what real men are pursuing. In 1 Timothy 6, 11 says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God 
Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and what? Gentleness. Real men, godly men, are, are men who pursue gentleness, power under control. Well, that's not the type of man that's being lifted up these days. It's not the man we see in the media or you know, in the public eye. It seems like those, are the, those men are abrasive and harsh. The examples we're seeing in our world today. And I would say we should look at other examples. Because that's not the biblical way of manhood or masculinity. Maybe we should get back to looking at Mr. Rogers a little bit. Uh, or how about the Golden Gophers' own Tony Dungy wrote a book called Quiet Strength. There's a good example of manhood. I would say Pope Francis, in a lot of ways, given us a good example of gentleness, power under control. And then the best example of all is Jesus. Hey, Jesus, talk about power under control. He's being attacked, he's been betrayed being chastised and chastised, crucified. Power. He's power under control. He, he only expresses anger selectively and intentionally for the benefit of others. It's about Jesus. It's not when he gets wronged. It's when, when God's, you know, what God is doing is, is somehow being offended or if someone else you know, as being oppressed, then he uses that. But Jesus, a perfect expression of what it means to be a man, of what it means to be a person, right? How about husbands? Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. If you can do that, never, you're doing pretty well. In fact, no one can. But the encouragement is, Strive to be gentle, not harsh, gentle with your wife. Uh, this past uh, Monday, Jen and I celebrated our 19th anniversary, the big one nine, right? So it was a special day. She brought me 19 roses. No, I brought her 19 roses for the record. And, uh, and then we went out to dinner, and I wish you all could have joined us. Do I mean that? No, I don't really. But a lot of you did. Um, three or four people, uh, tables, people from Hosanna came up and greeted us. We love that. You should always do that, by the way. And uh, one of them even paid for our meal, which means uh, that couple has a reserved parking spot for the rest of their lives at Hosanna. <laughs> Very generous of them. Uh, but Jen, it was a great idea. She brought a box of uh, old letters and pictures and, and things from our, our wedding and our relationship over the years. And so over dinner, we, we looked at those letters and, and pictures and we laughed and we cringed. Some of those early love letters were like, oh, so cheesy, right? <laughs> it was good to go back and, and do that. I would encourage you to do that if you're married and, and it's just good to remember and go back and look at some of those pictures and read some of those letters. But one of the things I noticed is that occasionally the letters that were read by uh, read that were from me uh, were kind of apologies about not speaking uh, gently 
to Jen. Not, not um, treating her with gentleness. And uh, while it was good to be reminded of that, it also was encouraging to see the contrast and the growth for both of us. I think she destroyed the letters from her. I can, we didn't find those. <laughs> that we've grown in gentleness. The tone, too. Not just words, but tone. How we talk to each other. Husbands, speak gently to your wives. Some of you are going, but, yeah, but she doesn't speak very gently to me. But if she just start, you know, speaking more gently to me, being sweeter to me, then I would, you know. Here's what I want to say to you, and I want to say this gently. If that's what you're saying, husbands. Don't be a butt. That's not, that's not very gentle. I'm not done, all right? Don't be a butt person. Don't, don't be a butt person. Well, I'd do it, but... Or an if-then person, you know, if she does this, then I will, then I will. No. Do what we're trying to teach our sons to do, and I'm trying to live myself, because I don't always get it right. Be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Amen. Set the temperature. Don't take it. Set the temperature in how you treat your spouse. You, you want your wife to think you're a stallion? Speak gently to her. Speak more. You want your marriage to grow? Speak gently, because that is power under control. Now, what about women? People are laughing. I don't know. Okay. Proverbs 11, 16 says this. A kind and gentle woman gains respect. A kind and gentle woman gains respect. That's a hot topic today again, isn't it? Women's rights, equality for women, empowerment of women. And we, in so many ways, are for that, Hosanna. We believe in empowering women. We believe in releasing women to be everything that God created them to be. Uh, and if, if you're like, well, I don't know about that, you won't be comfortable at Hosanna for long because we believe in empowering women. Uh, we have women in leadership positions, women preachers, and, and we just believe in that. But here's, here's not but, and. I'm not gonna be a butt person myself. And sometimes the way the conversation is playing out or the discourse is playing out, dialogue, is, is this, that what it means to be a strong woman is to be more like a man. Now, there's a lot we could say about that, and biblically, I'm not so sure that's entirely true. God created male and female, and there's this uniqueness to male and female. But that's not what concerns me. What concerns me is what people are often saying there, is in order, in order to be a strong woman, you need to be more like that kind of man. The not-so-gentle man. The, the, you know, abrasive man, the contentious man, the jerk, the, the butt person. And I think we got to stop and ask ourselves, is that what it means to be a gentle woman, to be a powerful woman, to be more like that kind of man? I think we go back to the real man, Jesus, and say that's what it should look like. To be gentle, power 
under control. Doesn't mean pushover. Doesn't mean doormat. Doesn't mean you just let anything happen to you. No, 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 no. Strength, gentleness is power under control. Men and women. And I believe women should be empowered all day long in that way, in the way that God created them to be empowered and strong. What about leaders? And by leaders, I mean anyone who influences someone. So that's most of us, right? In, in, anyone who influences someone. And uh, here's, here's a verse for us who are leaders who have some level of influence. Proverbs 25, 15 says, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. That's power. That is power under control. Can break a bone. I heard a quote recently that you're never persuasive when you're abrasive. Never persuasive when you're abrasive. Again, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are getting elected, getting rich, getting famous over being abrasive. What's with that? What is with that? That'd be a good question for us to lean into. What's with that? And are we implicitly or explicitly somehow reinforcing that kind of behavior? that's weak and foolish and not strength and not real power? How am I feeding the beast? And why do we do that? Why do we even implicitly kind of let that play out in front of us? We were talking about this as a preaching team and someone gave a great answer. I thought it was a great answer. That we, that we are part of the problem if we're just being silent about that kind of behavior because it gives us something to hide behind. When people act like that, it gives us something to hide behind. What are we hiding from? Fear, responsibility, the truth, what's right. When people are acting like clowns, and they are, we is like, oh, we can kind of laugh at that and kind of point to that and think that's okay and hide behind all the stuff that we need to deal with, including the weakness in us that can lead to ungentle behavior. I would say if leadership is abrasive and belligerent and, and um, like bully type leadership, it's not leadership. It's control. It's manipulation. And I would say to you, do not be controlled. Do not be manipulated. Be influenced by gentleness, power under control. Parents, scripture, we find in scripture that we aren't to provoke our kids to anger by the way we treat them, by treating them harshly. Okay, again, no one's perfect at that. We've all done that. But the encouragement is to be more gentle with our kids, to not embitter them. I'm working on this big time, and I'm just being really honest with you. It's not easy. But, but this is what I need to say and I need to hear it myself. Yelling and screaming at our kids never works. Well, it gets them to do what I want. I didn't say it wasn't effective. 
It just doesn't work in the long run. It might get them to do what you want them to do, but it doesn't in the long run because that anger is going inside of them and it's being stuffed and they're right now powerless in that situation, but it's going somewhere and eventually it'll come out with their kids. So it doesn't work in the lasting sense. What does work? Glad you asked. Proverbs 15 says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. A gentle answer. Not escalating with more volume and more intensity, but a gentle answer. One of our boys' teachers, uh, she just has her baseline volume, has this low, low voice volume with the idea that even as those you know, kiddos are going crazy around her, if she can just keep the volume down, eventually they will, yelling just leads to more yelling, but a quiet answer. Let me just give you an example. This may or may not have happened in our house recently. But let me give you two, you know, two ways of dealing with the same situation, okay? Blank, why is the milk on the counter? Why did you leave the milk on the counter? I didn't have time. I was going to baseball practice. Well, put the milk away. Don't leave it out on the counter. Why? I hate that question. Because I paid for it. I, I paid for it. And someone milked a cow for that. All right. Some baby cow didn't get milk because of it. Put it in the fridge. Eventually it happens, but yelling. Let's, let's try another way of doing this, okay? Hey, did you leave the milk on the counter? Yeah, I did. Would you, put, would you please put that away? Why? Why? <laughs> well, because we want, we want to be good stewards of what we have. We don't want to waste stuff. We don't want to be wasteful. And just appreciate if you would take responsibility and put it away. I don't want to. Okay, well, if you don't, you can lose a privilege, but that's your choice. Be gentle. If that doesn't work, just say this. If you don't put it away, I'm going to pour it on your head, and then you're going to go to school like that. Okay, that's, uh, I didn't, yeah, that's not how to do it. See the difference? And I'm, I'm usually somewhere right in the midst of all that, middle of all that not getting it perfect all the time. But we do know that a gentle answer, it de-escalates. It brings it down a notch. And this quality of gentleness, parents, is maybe one of the most important attributes we want them to gain from our leadership. Because what we model, they will mirror. And that can be perfect, but, but this gentleness we want to give to our kids why because when they are gent- blessed are the gentle for they will inherit the earth they'll have the world in their hands anything will be possible then they can work through any situation when they know gentleness which is power under control someone gave me this poem in my, this is my late 20s early 30s and i he was nicely saying you need to really read this poem because I was still learning what gentleness really is. Still am, but especially then. 
It's a poem by Rudyard Kipling. It's called If. I want to read the first line. He wrote this. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Doesn't that describe our world right now? Everyone's losing their head and blaming it on you, blaming it on somebody else. If you can keep your head, if you can stay calm, if you can remain gentle, power under control. Then here's the last line of the poem. Yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more? You'll be a man, my son. A real man. A godly man. The way we've talked about it. When everything around you is going crazy and people are throwing out barbs and tweets and all that stuff. And you can remain gentle. Keep your head power under control. Then the world is yours. It's your oyster. Now I suspect some of you right now, right about now, and maybe very early on in this message, you started to feel condemned by this message. Or you started to feel ashamed for whatever reason or discouraged or defeated. I've messed up too much. I didn't have a good example of gentleness in my life. I haven't been very gentle with my kids. Let me give you just a few promises from God. First of, the first one is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So just let's get that condemnation out of here. And, and how about this one in Isaiah 40? That it says that the Lord gently leads those who have young. I've come back to that one again and again and again. He'll gently lead you. He knows that parenting's not easy. He knows that it's hard because he parents you and me. He knows. And he'll gently lead you, patiently lead you. How about this one? Love covers a multitude of sins. I wasn't perfect with my kids growing up, but, but I loved them. Good, because it covers a multitude of sins. Or, or how about this one? That if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. Which means today, today you can begin a new journey with gentleness. You can begin a new journey of being a, a truly powerful person, a gentle person, power under control. We can, we can start cultivating gentleness. I just wanna share three, three thoughts on that. If you want to grow and become a more powerful person and be more fit for use in whatever area, three thoughts because powerful people are intimately familiar are regularly running these three three-word phrases, maybe not the exact same words, but these three three-word phrases through their heads. Powerful people, gentle people, power under control. The first one is what's behind that? Something happens around them and makes them feel all agitated and upset. And, but a gentle, powerful person steps back and says, what's behind that? Why is that per- person acting that way? That person must be hurt because hurt people hurt people. With kids, it's usually that they're hungry or tired. They just need some food or a nap. Adults can be this way too. What's, what's, what's the insecurity? What's the weakness? What's the fear? Because if someone's acting in ways that aren't gentle, it's out of weakness, not strength. So we can maybe move toward compassion. What's behind that? And then we have to do the same in our own lives. What's behind that? That thing that gets triggered, that thing that gets stirred up in me, that impulse to act like... What's behind that? It's not strength. It's not power. It's weakness. And when we can catch ourselves getting triggered and our minds getting flipped, losing our grip, 
That's like half the battle we can be going, ooh, that's weakness. I don't want to act out of that. I need to stop and do something about that. What's behind that? Second thing powerful people say, gentle people say, is let it go. Let it go. Let it go. By the way, I was at a movie the other day, and I saw a preview for Frozen 2. It is going to be epic, all right? Let it go. As I've reflected on 19 years of marriage, there are so many things. You can't replay the past. The old is gone, as new has come. But there's so many arguments over the years. I'm like, it wasn't worth it. It just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the time or the energy. Just let it go. 90% of what we all get all stirred up about or more is just like, let it go. That's what powerful people do. Gentle people, let it go. So when you're driving this week and someone cuts you off, I want you to turn into a princess and start thinking, let it, let it go, all right? I wanna hear emails about this. Third thing, powerful people say constantly and know in the depths of their being, God is gentle. God is gentle. He is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. He's Jesus, the perfect expression of who God is in Matthew 11 says, come to me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Do you know how gentle God is to us, to you? And he's had to say, let it go a thousand times already today based on what you've said, done, not said, how you've deprioritized him. He's had to let it go. And he knows what's behind it. It's our sin, it's our brokenness. And he does something about it. Again, talk about power under control. All the shame and the scorn and the weight of the cross and on the cross, power under, he could have gotten down, he could have called down angels to strike people down. Power under control for you so that you could live more freely, more fully, forever. God is so gentle. He's been gentle to you. Powerful people know that and they continue to say it. God has been gentle to me. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. He produces this fruit in us. Fruit of gentleness. Or the part of the fruit of the Spirit of gentleness. Gentleness in us, gentleness through us. And so I just want to close with prayer and then we're going to sing. And I'm going to pray that, that God would do supernaturally what only he can do. I might even walk us through. I think I'm going to walk us through those three three-word phrases that powerful people, gentle people tend to have in their hearts and their minds. I believe he's gonna turn the tide right now. Let's pray. God, thank you for being so gentle. Thank you for sending Jesus who's the epitome of gentleness and power and strength, power under control. There's a situation in our lives where maybe we are struggling to be gentle. What's behind that? Like, what's really behind that? What's behind that in that other person's life? What's behind that in my life? It's triggering some kind of fear or insecurity or weakness in me. Show me that so I can deal with it. And then help me to say those words, let it go. Let it go. So much of what we get worked up about, stirred up about, it's just not worth it. There are times that we have to stand and we have to deal with, but, but in those times, we just let it go. 
And then lastly, God, help us to know more than we've ever known that you are gentle, that you are power under control, and that we can, in your grace, slowly but surely, it's a process, it's progress, it's not perfection. We can grow to become more gentle, more powerful, power under control. Turn the tide, God. Turn the tide in our lives. Turn the tide in our world so that we can see what it means to get a grip, to have the world in our hands, to inherit the earth the way you intended for this world to be. We wanna be people who turn the tide. Make us gentle. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.